We have been in uh, this series called The Beginning of Wisdom. And we've been going through the book of James, and uh, this is our third week of, of going through this series. And um, I, I love James. It's, it's this practical, short book, um, but it's packed with so much truth and so much wisdom, even though it's only five chapters long. And it's just this, this powerful book. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of scripture is... Uh, about identity and um, obviously being more like Christ. And this just really boils it down to doing and being. And I love that because a lot of times um, we try to find, when we read scripture, we try to find, okay, where's the practical steps that I can take, right? That's, at least that's, that's how you read scripture. Um, you look at the big picture, right? And you're saying, okay, what can I glean from this? What can I learn? How can I, you know, put this into practice? And James is, is great because it tells you. It, it really does. It has a lot of instruction. Um, and I would have to say if I were to recommend any book uh, of the Bible for someone to read first, like if they're a, a new Christian outside of the Gospels, I would probably say James, honestly, because it is a, it's a super practical book and it has a lot to say about how we as Christians should live if we are to call ourselves true Christ followers. Because there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, right? But their lives don't match up with what they say they are. And so um, the caveat in this message is um, it's going to be pretty practical, honestly. Um, And uh, I haven't really preached a super practical message before, if I'm honest. There's a lot of uh, of being and um, knowing who we are in, in Christ in a lot of my messages, but this is going to take a turn, I feel like, for more of, of actions and, uh, and doing and putting in the work. Um, before we jump in, I, w- I want to ask you a question. Uh, how many of you have been victim to a Facebook comment fight? Raise your hand. Oh, there's more. Come on, raise your hand. You, you've definitely... Okay, now, when I, let me explain. When I say victim, it means you are completely innocent, too, because um, you asked a simple question on Facebook, right, or social media. Uh, most can say Facebook is where this happens. Um, it wasn't polarizing or it wasn't a hot topic, but someone decided to hijack your post, right? And now 15 comments on that thread are just two people going back and forth arguing about something silly, right? Have you ever, you've, you've seen that happen, right? Who's seen that happen? Where you've posted something that was, I, I saw this the other day. So somebody was asking uh, a question. They have, they have young kids and they said, young boys, and they said, where can I go besides Buffalo Wild Wings to watch uh, a football game? Like the, the football games that are going on that has big screens. And so somebody, you know, they were given ideas down there, and somebody's put, oh, you could uh, do the, the bar in Posterific. And somebody said, um, well, they can't go in there if they're kids, you know, into the bar in Posterific. And then somebody, the same person said, well, I brought my kids in the bar in Posterific. And then they kept going on and on. And it was just this fight about how you can bring kids in to watch a football game at the bar in Posterific. And it went on and on. And then you got other people chiming in saying, like, I've never seen kids in there. And then you've got other people come to their defense being like, well, I've seen some families in the bar apostrophic to watch, you know. And so it's this, and, and it literally was just a question of, hey, 
what can we, and you got people throwing bows out here, like, you know, let's meet in the parking lot of Posterific, and we'll settle this, and, um, but, you know, and then, so th- those are people that are victims, right, where you've posted, and then there are people, those of you that are like my wife, who uh, get all the wood ready, and they get the matches out, and they even leave some gasoline, and they just like to see the world burn. And um, <laughs> I say that because my, my wife the other day, she thought it would be a good idea to ask the, face, the Facebook world a question about the restaurant Chili's, okay? And she doesn't like Chili's. I love Chili's. Uh, I'll admit for a minute, they almost uh, lost my allegiance, but I, I'm, I'm back in the Chili's game. And uh, this post got 240 comments about chilies. It was very civil, I I will admit that. Um, But I got in trouble because the same day she made that post, I I happened to be eating lunch at Chili's. And uh, people saw me at Chili's. And then they were commenting on the post like, hey, I just saw your husband at Chili's. Looks like you got bigger problems at home, you know, and there's a traitor in your midst. And so uh, Lisa's like, were you at Chili's today? I just made a post about how much I hate that restaurant. And so um, the bright side is we have a great year to look forward to with the election of Facebook comment fights, right? There's not going to be any of that. Like none of that will happen. Um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, whether it's on social media or in person, we, uh, we have either been a part of or seen others tearing people down, right? We've been a part of it or we've seen it happen. I have. We've simply been a bystander when overhearing someone else talking about someone you know. I have. And we've all been the recipient of words that have hurt us and cut us to our core. They've hurt us deeply. And we've also said things to others that have hurt them and cut them to their core and hurt them deeply. That's one of the things we're going to look at today in James. There are a lot of uh, points and themes that are made throughout the book, but I want to focus on, on three today. The first one is the power of words. We're going to read James 3, 1 together. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. So James starts right away talking about the teachers and leaders in the church because back in that day, and and still today I would argue very much so, social, social status was a big deal. And people wanted to be teachers. People wanted to be leaders within the church. And, you know, like that famous Spider-Man quote, with great power comes great responsibility, right? That when you have people that are listening to you and when you're teaching people, you better be careful not to lead them astray. That's why a lot of times when we see, and and I'll be honest, that's why a lot of times I get so nervous. You guys might not think it, Uh, Or maybe you do. Maybe I look like I'm shaking up here. Um, I don't know. Uh, But I get get nervous a lot of times to come up here 
on stage because I realize the magnitude and the way of which I am speaking. And I want to make sure that what I'm saying is, is genuine and is true. And a lot of times we see a disconnect between people, between what they say and what they do. And the crazy thing is that we don't see that with Jesus. Who he, who he was was who he said he was. He was the same person when he was by himself and when he was with a crowd of thousands of people. And ultimately, that, that's, that's hard. It's hard to be that same person. Because when people are looking at you and you're staring at you, they're staring at you and they expect you to give them wisdom and teaching. And a lot of times, that's hard if I'm honest because we all have struggles. We're all human. And ultimately, there's a weight that comes with teaching and leading people. That's why I think it's so important to sit under good, good teaching. Um, and I, I'm really, I know he's gone. He'll probably watch back through. And, and, uh, but I am, I think we are so blessed to have Pastor Aaron here. I really am. Um, he's a great teacher. He's very gifted. But also, I get to work with him day in and day out. And I see his heart. And I see the man that he is. And the father that he strives to be. And the husband that he strives to be. And I see that who he is matches up with, with what he says. Because he'll be the first to tell you that he's not perfect. Just like I do. And ultimately, we know that there is a weight that comes with that. Just like with you. With, uh, whether you're leading a Bible study or teaching students or teaching your kids. Whatever that looks like. There's a weight that comes with that. The good thing is, is that we've been given God's scripture as a tool, as a learning point. So that's why I say it's so important to sit under good teaching, to go to a church because you know they're speaking the truth and not just because it's appealing or tickling your ears. I won't stay on that very long, but then James goes right into to talking to everyone. Everyone say everyone. Everyone. Yep. He talks to everyone about controlling the tongue, which he said is really the key to controlling our whole body, our whole being. Because let's be honest, we have all had influence over other people. And it matters what we tell each other, and it matters what we teach each other. So it matters what we say. So picking up in James uh, 3, and then we're going to go to the next verse, verse 2 through 6, it says, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever, wherever we want by the means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whenever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it itself is set on fire by hell itself. 
James gives us all these analogies, analogies and he demonstrates how important and powerful our tongue is. And what he means by that is how powerful our words are. Think about it. Words are some of the most powerful and transformative forces in our world, are they not? Wars have been started. Slavery was abolished. Lives have been ended all through words. Our words have the power to bring both life and death. Think back to what we talked about at the beginning. We have all been hurt by words. And we have all hurt others by words. And I would venture to guess that some of those words still affect you to this day. And they may have even altered your life. I'm going to take it a step further and say that maybe they didn't just change your life, but those words planted ideas in your head. Maybe about who you are or how you view other people or yourself. And it's without you even realizing it. And now, follow me here, the mind is a powerful and complex thing. All it takes is for us to hear one word about something and we tend to believe it without question. One of my favorite movies is called Inception. Have any of you guys seen Inception? Nobody's seen Inception? Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, in the movie there's a line that, that I always remember it says what is the most resilient parasite and this is, the, this is Leonardo DiCaprio talking it's the main character he says what's the most resilient parasite he says is it a bacteria a virus an intestinal worm and he said no it's an idea it's resilient highly contagious And once an idea has taken a hold of the brain, it's almost impossible to eradicate. We always remember the bad things that were said to us or about us, don't we? I remember uh, the last conversation that I had with my dad before uh, he had had a stroke and then eventually passed away. And it wasn't a good conversation. He was upset with me about my grades. I was a freshman in high school. Um, And he drove away that night after dropping me off at my mom's house. And that was the last time I talked to him. Because of that interaction, an idea was planted in my head that I didn't really have the relationship that I had with my dad, a good relationship. I would have dreams that he wasn't the man who I remembered he was, that he wasn't a good man. You see, words have the ability to plant ideas in our head, and then ideas have the ability to take over our mind and make things that weren't even true seem that they are. I had a great father. I had a a godly dad. I had a great relationship with him. But for some reason, that idea, because of the encounter that I have, because of words that were spoken, 
totally, totally got to me in my core and it hurt me. People will say things about us. And soon enough, we start believing it, right? We start believing the lies. Verse 5 says, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. How many of us are guilty of starting fire with our words? I know I am. And then we may even continue fueling the fire with more hurtful, hateful words. Maybe it's to our spouse. Aaron warned me this would happen. It's too cold to start a fire. He's going to laugh so much at this. There we go. I hope I don't burn the church down. That was the, that was the biggest thing that he was scared of. All right. I mean, I want to put this out. Um, it was something to laugh at, and you're going to remember it, right? Take that, Aaron. Um, maybe it's to our spouse. Maybe it's to our kids. I did practice that, by the way, and it worked well. Um, maybe it's to a stranger on social media. Maybe it's a comment to a waitress who got our order wrong. Maybe it's somebody who's driving and we get upset because they cut us off. Now, that was a small fire, obviously, and it didn't really take off. But what about a forest fire? Sometimes they can't even be put out, right? They just have to run their course. And the landscape is forever changed. And the difference between a forest fire and that is that the landscape is primed and ready. There's woods, there's dry, you know, dry ground, there's dry leaves. There's plenty of opportunity for the fire to keep going, right? And it's really hard to put out. I've seen, we've, we've seen a lot of them, right? Out in California, we've seen a lot of them that have just devastated places. And they've took over millions and millions of acres, and they just, they're so hot, they're just continually burning. And then you think they've stopped, and then the wind blows, and then an ember catches somewhere else and it keeps going, right? And that's what, that's what James is talking about here. He said, a small spark. Small spark. 
How many of you guys remember the uh, Smokey the Bear, right? Where it says, like, only you can prevent a forest fire, right? And they said that because a lot of, they were having issues with people that were, you know, would leave their campsite and they would have a fire going or they would leave charcoal hot and then they would start these big forest fires. And they didn't, I mean, you ask somebody, maybe, maybe some of it was intentional. They didn't mean to start the fire. They didn't mean to make it turn into this big thing. Sometimes I feel like that's the same way with our words, right? When we say something to somebody, and we, we may not mean it to affect them in the way that it does. And so ultimately, that's what James is talking about here. He says, man, our tongues, they're dangerous. They are dangerous. What did he say? He said, That among all parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. Words matter. And what we say to other people, especially, especially as Christians... As people look at us, you know, we, uh, we've talked about this some, but um, when I, so I, I, uh, I sometimes have went to a counselor, seen a counselor, and uh, he's a pastoral counselor. He deals with a lot of um, people, a lot of people in ministry, and one of the things he was talking about was uh, how he deals with church hurt in the same way that he deals with uh, patients who have had like an abusive father or abusive mother. Because the church is supposed to be a safe place. Just like the mother and the father is supposed to be a safe place. And when people get hurt and burnt by the church, it cuts us deep. Because it's supposed to be a place of safety. It's supposed to be a place of love. Kindness, peace. When we get hurt by people within the church, and that one of the main ways that we can get hurt by somebody in the church is by our words, right? What we say to people. Yeah, our actions can do a lot of things, but our words, they can bring life or death. It's so funny, we've all, we've all heard that saying, right? Sticks and stones can break our bones, but words can what? Never hurt me? That was a lie. I don't know who said that, but he never met anybody. <laughs> he just he never talked to anybody, he never had any conversations. Many research... Uh, tests have said that it takes 10 positive comments to neutralize one negative comment. Isn't that crazy? 10 positive comments to neutralize one negative comment. James goes on in, in verse 7. He says, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. 
is a restless and evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes, here's, here's the, the big kicker here. Verse 9, it says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives and grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So James presses this even further. He says, some of you claim to be Christians and you sing songs in church on Sunday and then cuss people out on Monday. He's saying, something's not right. Something's not lining up. That's not authentic Christianity. That's not an authentic Christ follower. And in verse 13, he says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not of God's wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. So, James doesn't just point out the problem. He doesn't just say, you know, you guys are, are your, your language and the way you talk to others are tearing people down. He doesn't just say that. He offers a solution. He challenges us to strive for wisdom, that's what we've been talking about, wisdom. To be intentional about the words that we speak and to let our actions be a reflection of the wisdom that comes from God. And here's, here's the big point. Wisdom is not just about knowing the right things. It's about striving to live like Jesus through kindness, gentleness, and humility. And James draws a sharp contrast between two kinds of wisdoms there. He says, one side, you know, one side of wisdom, there's wisdom that is bitter, jealous, and driven by selfish ambition. You guys have maybe seen that wisdom. It's a wisdom that is earthly, and it's unspiritual, and it leads to worldly success and satisfaction. I know plenty of wise people in this world, but their actions... They don't put it into practice. It's worldly wisdom. And he says on the other side, there's the wisdom from above. He said, that's the one you want. Which is all about purity. It's about peace. It's about gentleness. 
It's a willingness to yield to others. And this wisdom bears the fruits of mercy and good deeds. And it shows no favoritism and always remains sincere. So ultimately, the Bible, and specifically this passage, it's calling us to authenticity. To be who we claim to be. To be who we say we are. To let our worships, Sunday worship be reflected on our Monday actions. Bring the gap between what we say and how we live. When people look at you, what do they say? For me, it's a challenge. Because I could stand up here and say all the right things. But I could be a very unpresent dad. I could be a very unpresent husband. I could be just mouthy and mean and angry. Have my words cut people down. So how am I going to bridge that gap? First of all, to asking God for wisdom. Say, God, I don't want to start any more fires. And I don't want to be fuel to a fire. Ultimately, the world looks at us from a worldly perspective and what are we going to show them? It's hard because I've, I've heard that Christians are some of the, the angriest, the meanest people. And I love, I love our church. I love every one of you. I, you know, I know for me, I try not to be that way. Well, ultimately, I know that if I'm having a bad day, it's very easy to lose self-control. It's very easy to let my words be unwise. So that's my challenge. We're searching for wisdom. We're searching for how to, how to connect the dots between what we say and what we do and how to live as a true, authentic Christ follower. It starts with, with what we say to others. We can either bring life or we can bring death. The song that we're going to be singing here at the end, um, it's, it's one of my favorite songs. It's I Speak Jesus. And it talks about how Jesus is the purest name that we could ever speak. When we say that name, you, know, you, can't, you can't say two words at the same time, right? You know that. I mean, maybe ventriloquists can. I don't know how they do that. Um, but you can't say two words well at the same time. So ultimately, if we speak more of Jesus, 
And less condemnation, less hate, less anger, less bitterness. I believe that would truly start to reflect in our life. Let's pray. God, first of all, thank you for not letting the church burn down. I do thank you that you've given us such powerful words. We've talked about words all morning. But when we look at scripture and we see the words that speak life, they're in scripture. They're all over. Help us to find those when we're searching for the words to speak to others. Help us to be gentle, be loving, be self-controlled. Help us to not praise you out of one side of our mouth and curse someone else out of the other. to be single-minded, be authentic. Help us to speak the name of Jesus. Amen.